0: Welcome to the Sharon McLaughlin Show, where confidence is contagious. We will speak about emotional well-being and we'll also hear stories from women who have pushed through self-doubt and are now changing the world. Each episode will provide you with actionable steps that you can implement today. So come join us, build confidence and be inspired. Hello, everybody. We have Julie Manano with us. She is a couples therapist I'd like to hear her story. She has a new book out we'll be talking about. And we are here today to discuss the attach- the four types of attachment style. Julie, thank you very much for being here. I'd like to hear a little about your story. How did you get into couples therapy or the marriage counseling? How did this all come about? Where did the idea come sure. from?
1: Well, I started this journey when I really wanted to be a better parent. And I grew up in a home where, you know, things weren't quite perfect, you know, my parents loved me and did the best they could, but a lot of um, lack of emotional support there. And I really set out kind of early in life to have a big family because um, I think that that's what I was sort of, that was my way in my little mind of healing myself was to surround myself with this happy family that I didn't feel like I had growing up. And so I ended up having my first two children and I realized, wow, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I thought, you know, if you just put in the right ingredients and they go to the right school and you feed them the right food and dress them in the right way, everything kind of works out. Uh, There's something really missing from that equation, and I just didn't know how to sort of balance loving them with kind of giving them, you know, parameters in life and just felt really overwhelmed. So I started reading every parenting book I could get my hands on a lot of contradictory information and in the process, I'm trying to kind of heal myself and my own old wounds. And it it didn't have a lot to do with my relationship with my husband. You know, we were kind of skating along and then I, you know, I had my sixth child and I thought, okay, I've got to get some space from this. I'm, it was just, it was too intense for one person I think to handle didn't have an extended family network around. And so I decided to go back to grad school and kind of, I thought, well, these books aren't really getting it for me. So I need to just go to the source and understand, learn psychology. So I went back and with the idea that never in a million years did I want to be a couples therapist. I just had really less than zero interest. And uh, so Anyway, got the degree, was working with individuals, discovered attachment theory pretty early on. It just, everything made sense about it to me. Um, It was just all the pieces sort of fit together. And uh, then I had to see, I had to start seeing some couples to get my license. And first couple I saw, I thought, wow, you know, this is incredibly difficult, which I love challenge. And I thought, you know, I I have to see a certain number of couples. I need to know what I'm doing. Immediately signed up to go do uh, the introductory training of the type of work I do, which is emotionally focused therapy for couples. Absolutely fell in love. And I have not taken on an individual as a new client since that day, which was, you know, 10, at least 10 years ago and um, absolutely fell in love. What I love about it, I think if I were to just condense it is I you know to to be a good therapist to do the therapy you have to have a strong alliance with the client you have to have you know validation and trust and all these emotional this emotional safety and these emotional support skills and that's not the therapy but it's the foundation that builds you know the the trust and the ability for someone to feel safe enough to start self reflecting and i was finding that i'm i'm building these great relationships with my clients but then they're going home and they're learning all of these things but they don't have these relationships at home and so with couples work i have the ability to not only create that alliance with each of the partners but to transfer it to them so they go they get to go home with this beautiful work which just feels extremely fulfilling to me. Uh, the second reason is that I think we are our most authentic selves in the context of our closest relationships. So I felt like I was really able by working with the relationship to get to the deepest parts of my clients in a way that I wasn't able to get to just working individually. Um, and then the third reason is just from, you know, purely selfish um, place, It it's like so intellectually stimulating. And at the same time, you get to be this, you know, emotional person that you want to be this validating, helpful presence, but there's so much intellect involved, like chess, you're working with two different individuals, you're working with the relationship uh, as this third entity between the two of them. And it just, you know, the sessions sort of fly by because they're just, every part of your being is engaged in this process. So it's just very fulfilling work. I never don't look forward to a session.
0: Julie, the way you speak about your job, your career, the way you light up the room when you're speaking about it, I love to see the passion and it's rewarding watching somebody such as yourself have so much passion for their career. Many of us go through life, we're just doing the job, the J-O-B, but not really passionate about it anymore. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. I do feel that passion. I feel, I pinch myself every day, like, oh, this is my job. I get to, wow, (laughs) you know. I do have to clarify, did you say six children? I have six children. Yes.
0: And then you said you went back to school after having the sixth child. Is that correct?
1: Yes, and I had we planned to have four, but we had twins um four four and five were twins and then we had a little surprise at the end. And I, I'm not gonna lie. It was really, really hard on me. It, you know when you when you when it gets to the point where you don't feel like you can care properly for each of them, that's when you start to kind of lose it.
0: I'm so glad you continued on and glad that you took the time and the effort and the energy to go back to school so that you could be passionate about, your career.
1: Yes, me too. Everyone I know thought I was crazy, but I just, I was like, no, it paid off your role model.
0: Tell us how you got into the attachment styles. So let's talk a little about the attachment styles.
1: Well, I started early on and in grad school, I've kind of the first semester, you know, we weren't learning attachment theory at all. wasn't being taught in, in grad school at that time. And I think it's just now sort of starting to become standard curriculum, but, um, I just found it. Um, It started with this other type of theory called psychodynamic, which then sort of breaks off into object relations. And then it breaks down into attachment theory. And it's really understanding the person from the inside out. And attachment theory really puts the human in the context of the relational environment that they're born into. And everything just really made sense far more than Anything else I was learning, all the other things I was learning make sense, but on the surface, like if you really just keep distilling, 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 you have this baby born into an environment with a temperament, born into an environment, and that environment is just really going to shape how that individual um, experiences and manages relationships, you know. throughout the life if everything sort of stays the same on the same trajectory i mean all, we can all change and heal and you know parents can grow and learn new things there's always malle- malleability to it but it just made absolute sense it makes it, to me attachment theory is the closest science has come to explaining the real nuances of the way relationships actually work And so I really dove into just understanding everything I could about that while I had the opportunity in grad school. It was one of those things where I was kind of like quickly doing their work on the side and then learning my own stuff over here and um, started practicing it immediately. And um, it, you know, it's interesting because we hear about these four attachment styles, and they, they have become kind of a mainstay in the cultural conversation around self-help and relationships. But those are just sort of really simplified ways. and there's so much more to the theory that people, you know, lay people don't know. and, and it's okay because that's, you know, the starting point. and it just those four styles can really help people make sense of themselves. But I just really, you know, kind of, it feels important to me for people to know that this is so much more than, you know, what Harry, a, a quiz of what Harry Potter house do you live in? So.
0: Let's talk about the yeah. four.
1: Superficially. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then
0: if they want to work with you, we'll provide that information. How uh, they yeah.
1: It, well, it, yeah. And to, and to that point, I never, you know, for years before attachment, theory and styles became common knowledge, I never even told people what attachment style they were. I just worked with what was in front of me. So it it does, you do not need to know these exact terms. But with that said, it can be extraordinarily helpful to understand yourself through the lens of attachment. So someone with uh, what we call an anxious attachment, they're typically born into homes where there's not a whole lot of Emotional predictability. They don't know if they're going to be responded to if they show emotions, Uh, uh, you know, typically distressing emotions that are related to relationships. If they, you know, show anger or jealousy or sadness or even sometimes joy. Um, wanting to connect, they're not predictably responded to, they might get responded to sometimes, they might get shamed, they might get punished, they might get rejected. And so they, they know enough about how it feels to be responded to crave it and to keep that feeling kind of alive in them. And so they're kind of desperately looking for it, desperately looking for it. They might have to get big. They might have to cry. They might have to people please. Um, But the point is they're actively seeking it. And then what happens is, is their nervous systems don't ever really get to trust it's real because they don't know that they can um, rely on it to come back later. And so they, they sometimes will get, caught up in these testing behaviors, which is, are you going to be here for me now? Or are you going to be here for me now? And that um, leads to just kind of this chronic sense of anxiety around relationships and hypervigilance. And that if it continues, we'll we'll start showing up in adult relationships and in kind of the same way, right? it's it's just constantly wanting to close that distance. We have to resolve problems right here and now because it creates too much anxiety for me to kind of leave things hanging. Um, it, some have a difficulty with physical separation. Some have all anxious attachment folks are going to be very, very sensitive. To emotional invalidation being told your emotions aren't real your emotions are not don't matter you're being dramatic i mean that's gonna that's a big one for anxious attachment and there's always just this sense of like unease very even when things are going well it's hard to really sit with it and take it in um the way that they try to get these needs met very desperately When it's coming from that anxious attachment place, it's just going to push their partner away. It just ends up pushing people away from them. A lot of times there's a flavor of blame or you're not getting it right or a lot of kind of protesting behaviors that don't involve really kind of speaking from yourself from this kind of place of vulnerability. Now, the problem is, is much of the time those with anxious attachments are in relationships with someone with an avoidant attachment. And there are a lot of good reasons for that that I won't go into, Um, but the person with an avoidant attachment, they grow up in what we call an emotionally impoverished environment. That means that they really never get their emotional needs met to the degree that they just kind of disavow their attachment needs altogether, just kind of stuff them away, don't expect, um, try to get a sense of closeness in other ways, um, not rocking the boat, high achieving, you know, just they don't have a direct sense of emotional fulfillment with that stuff, but they at least get to feel safe with others. Um, they, do, they don't really ever learn to put words to feelings. They don't learn how the feelings kind of show up in their body. Um, the feelings are definitely impacting them and moving them forward through life but not in a conscious way at all and so what happens when you don't know how to tend to your own emotions and fight for your own emotional needs to be met you certainly don't know how to recognize them in others and you don't know how to help others with their emotions you don't know how to help yourself with your emotions and you don't know how to take in help from others all of this creates multiple blocks to intimacy on both sides um, and then typically you're going to have someone with an avoidant attachment in a relationship with someone with an anxious attachment. So now the avoidant attachment can't really show up emotionally. Can, and when they, you know, their way of, of responding to the anxious partner's big emotions, you know, as the relationship kind of moves forward and, and has starts to have conflict, these things start to surface Um, So they're responding to the anxious partner with a lot of invalidation or appeasement. And it just, they get in these cycles and it just continues to go back and forth. Um, They can't resolve problems together. They, um, they, you know, hurt, harm their closeness. Um, They reinforce each other's attachment style. And so then you have this other category called disorganized attachment. So the way I like to describe that is you take a blender you pour in some anxious attachment, you pour in some avoidant attachment, you sprinkle a bunch of trauma on top, and a lot of unpredictability, a lot of emotional chaos, turn it on, blend it all together, and then pour it into a glass and you have disorganized attachment. And then we have secure attachment, which is what we're all going for. That is kind of like, instead of the anxious partner who is just overwhelmed with their emotions. And instead of the avoidant partner who is completely cut off from their emotions, we have this balanced individual who has access to their emotions. They use their emotions to inform them how to navigate through life and relationships, but they're not not—they're not overwhelmed. They have this, what I call, a balance of head and heart. And they're able to advocate for their needs. They're able to help themselves with their own emotions when needed they're able to help their partners with their emotions they're able to take in help and sit with goodness um and kind of you know they're they're seeing relationships through the lens of more like what's in front of them instead of all these scary messages from the past and um able to communicate you know, clearly able to set healthy boundaries and basically just aren't living in a constant state of fear that, that either my needs won't be met or, you know, I'm going to get it wrong no matter what I do. Or if I show up with my emotions, that means I'm weak or flawed or yeah.
0: I'd like to move on to secure love what we're all yes. hoping for. It's the name of your book. Secure yes. love, create a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Isn't yeah. that what we all want? Yes. Where'd this idea come from?
1: Well, um I really had a sense that the world was needing this information. Um in during COVID, you know, long story short, I ended up on Instagram. And my mission was just, hey, I'm doing a lot of this great work with couples, but I can't see every couple in the world. No therapist can see every couple. So many people don't have access to their couples therapy. So many people don't have access to this type of couples therapy. And so I just decided, you know, kind of loosely, I'll just start educating people with what I know and see how much I can help people, you know, through this social media platform uh, started drawing cartoons to kind of explain. I I have a I definitely have a very nuanced understanding of all of these things because I work with it because I am using this with couples and it gives me this unique unique window um, into the way these things show up in these very very nuanced ways that a lot of people will read and they'll they'll think wow I never even considered that you know and started teaching people not, you know, my, it was really important to me not to just say to people, Hey, here's what's wrong, but Hey, here's what you can do. And, um, so that just kind of started out. People really latched onto that. They were loving it. And then I started getting requests for a book in my mind. Oh yeah, sure. I'll, I'll spend a month kind of, you know, organizing what I know, kind of the Trajectory, The path that I take couples on, it's a very structured path and just kind of put that in a book format and how hard can that be? Um, and a month in, I thought, this is way more than I can have time for. And I remember I went out onto our front porch. My husband was out there you know, doing something. He's always tinkering around. And I said, I don't know what I was thinking. There is no way I can write a book. I mean, this is crazy. And he was like, no, you have to write the book. You have to, like, you need to write this book, which he's always trying to pull me back. So the fact that he was wanting me to do this, it it just, that was it. Like to hear it. him say, yeah, that was it. And so- what i thought would be a month and then i what i thought would be a few months and then what i thought would be or turned into three three and a half months um i mean three and a half years Uh, because i just needed to get it right and um so what it is is it's it's kind of throwing attachment theory out there like in very descriptive way like this this is a very detailed account of the childhood that creates these styles this is a very detailed account of how it's going to show up in your adulthood in your relationship okay now we have that information on board now we're going to talk about how it all comes together in your relationship and drives these negative cycles these negative communication cycles that are extremely patterned the pattern is typically very consistent from couple to couple I mean I'm sorry from um, topic to topic couple every couple has their sensitive topics you're typically going to see the same pattern of fighting no matter what the topic is some couples might have two versions of it um but then when you look at you know couples on a whole even couple to couple you're going to see these um repetitive patterns so that's what makes my job easier is because I'm kind of seeing the same thing over and over uh which is these negative cycles. And, and it's all fueled by this attachment and security that we bring to the table. And then the attachment and security that we create together as two partners and all the wounds that we build up. And so I'm going to put that out there and, and describe that in great detail. I've got charts. I've got, you know, what I have found, I have actually had people come into my office and I have mapped their negative cycle out for them. I'll say, okay, give me You know, a scenario if I'm a fly on the wall and you have a a fight, and I'm going to map out and say, okay, here's what you were saying. Here's all the stuff that was going on underneath the surface that you're just not aware of. Um, And they'll take a picture of it because I used to have this big eraser board and they'll say, okay, we're done. And they'll never come back (laughs) because the cycle is so illuminating to them. It's like, wow, now everything makes sense. If they don't come back, they're probably going to find themselves stuck. But still, that's how, you know, making the point that that's how one, just one glimpse of your negative cycle can put it, bring it all together. And you can go, oh, my God, this isn't these big chaos, disorganized fights where we go down and all these tangents. It's actually this really organized entity that we can get a grip on. So though that's the next few chapters which is how do we interrupt this once it gets going how do we prevent it to begin with by just creating this very kind of secure attachment friendly environment and then how do we repair it because they're going to happen and then we have these couples that they've had so many horrible wounds built up between them affairs or other just major breaches of trust that they're having a hard time putting all this work into place because we have all these resentments and wounds built up. So now I'm going to say, if you're in this category, here's what you need to be doing to kind of start healing this stuff, so that you can go forward and do the more, you know, rudimentary relationship work. Then we go into just attachment um, for extenu- how attachment relates to extenuating circumstances, trauma, sex, mental illness. And then last chapter, which everybody's really loving, is um, scripts. It's just a uh, you know you you bring up a concern to your partner, they they take it as a criticism. What can you say? Um, your partner's doing something to annoy you. What can you say? How do you bring up the topic of couples therapy to your partner if they're resistant? And it's just you know, dozens of um, just examples where people just, you know, they really, they get the concepts, but they just don't have the words. And so I'm just here to say, hey, here's some ideas to help you along while you're learning to communicate more effectively, because so many people did not grow up learning those words. And that's that. That's secure love.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love the idea. Thank your husband for going ahead to push you along. So happy that you did this. Remember, everybody out there who's listening, name of the book is Secure Love, Create a Relationship That Lasts a Lifetime. Speaking to Julie Manano. Julie, if people want to reach out to you,
1: how do they do that? .com is my uh, website. I have at the secure relationship, which is on Instagram, be sure to look for the blue check. They are imposters. And yeah, and I have a clinic that I have many, you know, therapists working for me who do the same type of work. And uh, I do workshops. I just have trying my best to just get this out, you know, on as many layers as possible with my couples I work with and bigger workshops, the book. And then, of course, all of the information is there on Instagram for free um I have nothing hidden behind paywalls. It's all there. It's just not, you know, in his need of a package and organized. So
0: not organized, that's for sure. Yeah. If you guys like this, do me a favor, give it a thumbs up, share it with someone else who needs to to benefit from this. And we all know someone that is out there and can benefit from this talk. And we'll see you guys next week. Julie, thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. Thanks for having me.